I want to thank you for listening today. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, please do so and feel free to rate and review us as well. If you live nearby and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come visit us here at Fellowship Bible Church in Jacksonville, Texas. You can connect with us by calling or texting CONNECT to 903-586-6520. If you would like to support the ministry here at Fellowship Bible Church, we would greatly appreciate that as well. To give one time or on a regular basis, you can text GIVE to 903 903- 586-6520. If you live a ways away, we hope you would find a good Bible-believing and preaching church in your area to join and serve in and support. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have a great week. You ever been given something you did not want? <clears throat> a gift you didn't ask for? Maybe it's uh, something someone gave you that had unwanted requirements attached to it. For example, I, I've been given gifts before that came with a paid subscription that I had to keep. Anybody have that? That was a blessing. Yeah. Um, sometimes pets to take care of. Anybody <laughs> been given a pet? You didn't ask for, or uh, maybe a, a car that required a lot of work. Sometimes those requirements attached to those gifts are, are burdensome and undesirable. But at other times, while the responsibilities are great that come with those gifts, the blessings that come from the gift are worth it. I've known people who have been given a pet they didn't ask for turned out to be a blessing to the family. That car that needed work came in handy when the car was, was fixed, right? In the book of Judges, Samson is given a gift he didn't ask for. He was miraculously conceived. He was set apart in his mother's womb to be God's chosen instrument to bring deliverance to his people. Samson didn't ask for this gift. He actually lived as if he didn't even want the gift. And while this gift came with, with requirements that were placed on Samson, he had to refrain from alcohol. He could not come in contact with the dead. No razor was to touch his head, right? So he had to look like one of those guys from Duck Dynasty, just let his hair and beard grow long, probably. The tragic thing about Samson's story is that this is one of these gifts that would have been a blessing to Samson had he embraced it. If you have your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 16. We are wrapping up Samson's story this morning, and for those of you all hoping for a happy ending, you won't find it here, okay? Not for Samson. While our study is faithful God in a fallen world, and we're going to see God accomplish His purposes through this reluctant and disobedient judge, Samson will pay the price for his disobedience. Now, the difference between the gift God gives Samson and the ones we sometimes receive, God's gift is not contingent on Samson enjoying it or benefiting from it, 
for it to have the impact that God desires. For a gift I receive that requires a subscription, if I stop paying it, which I normally do, that gift is not serving the purpose for which it was given, right? Not so in Samson's story. Samson was gifted by God for the sake of God's people, and that gift will serve that purpose, but Samson will still suffer as a result of his disobedience. Folks, we're going to learn this morning that God has given us a wonderful gift that we did not ask for and that we could never earn. A gift that requires us to give our lives away. And while many have rejected that gift, God's purposes will prevail and His kingdom will advance regardless. The question for us today is whether or not we're going to benefit from the gift that He has given us. Robert Chisholm, when summarizing Samson's story in Judges and his great commentary on Judges, he says this, this is what we learned from Samson. Look at this quote. God is always at work among his people, even when they are insensitive to his presence. He can even accomplish his purposes through unwise instruments who fail to understand their role as his servants and are primarily motivated by personal gratification. However, a failure to understand one's role in God's plan can lead to tragic personal failure and pain and keep one from enjoying the benefits of God's mighty deeds. That's Samson's story. That's the tragedy of his life. Judges chapter 16. I want you to see several things as we conclude Samson's story. I want you to see that while Samson heads in the wrong direction, and he participates in godless activity while he falls in love with, is enticed by, and, entrust, and, and he trusts the wrong woman. And while he is abandoned by the true God and enslaved by his wicked enemies, in the end, God's purposes prevail. They prevail. Notice first, point number one, Samson continues in the wrong direction and participates in godless activity. Look at verse 1, Judges 16. Samson went to Gaza. Now I want you to do something. I want you to take your pen and I want you to circle Gaza and right beside it, never go there. Okay? Simple application I'm giving you right here. You would think after disobeying his parents, disobeying God, by traveling to a place he should not have gone, marrying a woman he should not have, which ended in this woman's death and the death of her, her father, his father-in-law, you would think after Samson's arrest, you would think after God delivered Samson from the Philistines, empowered him to break the ropes he was bound with and kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey, and you would think after God saves him from dying of thirst by miraculously providing him water at Lehi that Samson would never mess with the Philistines again. You would think that, but you would be wrong. The first line in Judges 16 tells us that after these events, Samson went to Gaza. Gaza was the center of Philistine activity. 
This was where their, their temple to their false god, a grain god called Dagon, was located. More on this temple and this false god here in a moment. Samson is headed in the wrong direction. And we can hardly be hard on Samson heading down the wrong road again because how many of you all are guilty of this? There are roads that we must not go down, places we must not visit because the temptation in those places are too great. If you live your spiritual life on the edge, a fall is likely. In Samson's case, looks like he's headed straight toward the edge and on over again and again. We're told he went to Gaza and there he saw a prostitute and he went into her. Samson heads in the wrong direction, participates in godless activity. One often follows the other, by the way. If you're thinking to yourself, you know, I keep, I keep struggling in this area of my life. I want to be freed from this sin, but I don't know how. Obviously, you need God's help, right? But we, we learn from His Word. We must turn from the path that leads to that temptation that, that results in that sinful activity. We must starve our flesh of the evil thing it so desperately wants. If there is a desire there, we must remove the opportunity. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5? Beginning in verse 29, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Verse 30, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. If your struggle is sexual sin, you need to remove that phone, limit access you have to that phone. Well, it's, I need the phone for work. I need to get a hold of family. Is it worth losing your marriage over? Is it worth your relationship to the Lord. If you think that it is, then you're more like Samson than you may think. Your struggle is alcohol. You don't need to be around it. Well, I have to for work. It's, it's around when I'm, when I'm around my, my, my family, you know, when I'm, when I'm socializing with friends. Is it worth your health, your life, your family? Your answer is, well, yeah, then you're more like Samson. He being in Gaza was at risk spiritually. He didn't care. He's also at risk physically. Look at verse 2. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here. And they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night saying, let us wait till the light of morning, then we will kill him. Every time Samson gives in to sexual sin, it goes bad for him. Learn that lesson. It never goes well. It doesn't. I've seen it in my 12 years here. It never goes well. Samson knew the, the Philistines were not a fan of his. You think? He had killed a thousand of them just recently with the jawbone of a donkey. He had burned their grain. Right? With the foxes and the, the, the torches in between the tails. He knew it was not safe for a guy like him. But he doesn't care. 
Notice what happens, verse 3. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. Now that is God working through this man, right? By God's grace, once again, Samson escapes a gruesome fate at the hand of his enemies. Unfortunately, he doesn't learn from this. He doesn't learn from this. He thinks his escaping these circumstances frees him up to live as he chooses. I heard a pastor once say this, God's grace does not make sin safe. God's grace does not make sin safe. Just because you're not currently experiencing the gravest of consequences for your sin does not mean you will not ever. Praise be to God, by His grace, I finally came to understand the consequences that my sin deserved. Praise be to God, I didn't have to endure all of those consequences for my sin. Praise be to God, He sent Christ to endure the punishment for those sins so that I could be saved by grace through faith in Christ. Many fail to learn this lesson. I pray that not be your story. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to God. That's an appeal. That's an appeal I make to you. If to this point in your life you have lived like Samson, doing what is right in your own eyes, living your life apart from and opposed to God, I I pray you would see that the only reason you have not experienced the consequences for those sins to this point in your life is the amazing grace of God. I urge you today to turn from your sin and your wicked way and bow the knee to Jesus today. Respond to his gospel message. Repent of your sin. Give your life up and over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Forsake your sin. Place your faith and trust in Jesus today and be saved. Next point. In addition to Samson heading down the wrong road and participating in godless activity, he also falls in love with and trusts in the wrong woman. Look at verse 4. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now, some switch the word love for lust here. That's bad Hebrew. The word for lust in Hebrew is the word dod. That's not the word used here. The word used here is ahab, which is the Hebrew word for love and affection, the kind of feelings a husband has for a wife. That's the kind of feelings that Samson had for Delilah. Here's the reason I point this out. In our day, many teach, as long as you're in love, that's all that matters. We'll even ask someone, well, do you love him? Do you love her? As if that's the only question that needs answering. What about, does he or she love the Lord? We learn in Scripture, we, we, have, we have learned already in Judges that who you love matters. 
Who you marry matters. Young people, who you love matters. Parents of young people, who your kids love and marry, it it matters. When they enter into a covenant relationship with a non-believer, when they marry a non-believer, that affects them, that affects you, that affects their family, that affects your family, that affects their relationship with the Lord and future generations. A lot is at stake. We need to be asking more than, do you love him? You love her, right? Samson loved Delilah. It went terribly for him. He was not thinking in this way. He ends up with the wrong woman, a wicked woman named Delilah. She is worse than his previous wife. While his previous wife played on Samson's feelings and betrayed him because the Philistines threatened her life, Delilah does it for money. Look at verse 5. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. By the way, that's what a sinful relationship does for us. It enslaves us, right? It binds us. It it humbles us. That will happen with Samson. Look at verse 5. We will give... And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. It's a wrong woman. Wrong woman. Samson goes from one sinful relationship, a Philistine wife, to a prostitute, to Delilah. He is just, he is messing up left and right in this area of his life. But he plays along. Samson plays along. Look at verse 7. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Verse 8. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now, she had men lying in ambush in an inner chamber and she said to him the Philistines are upon you Samson but he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire so the secret of his strength was not known this is an unhealthy relationship is it isn't it very very unhealthy it's never good when a relationship is built on lies and deceit and that's what game they're both playing at here look at verse 10 Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now they should have known that was not the case, right? Because remember, he is bound with new rope in chapter 15, and he breaks it easily and kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. But apparently uh, they they were, were ignorant about that event. I don't know how. But uh, they should have known that wasn't going to cut it. But look at verse 12. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arm like a thread. Strike two. Then Delilah said to Samson, Till now you mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pin. If you pull my hair back in a man bun, I guess, is what he's saying. 
You would think that would weaken him, right? <laughs> then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into a web, and she made them tight with the pen and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled away the pen, the loom, and the web. Now there's a question that's just screaming at us here that we need to ask, and I'm, I'm sure you've already asked it right. Why has Samson not dropped this woman yet? Right? And moved on to someone else. What, what's going on here with Samson? She is clearly deceitful. She does not love Samson as he loves her. Yet he remains with her. And, and here in a moment, he will even give her the answer that she's asking. The answer that she's seeking. Why? What, what is Samson's issue? Well, a number of reasons have been given on this. One is that Samson was a thrill seeker. Some believe that. They believe he's just this adrenaline junkie who lived his life on the edge. Another argument is that he desperately wanted to be released from his vow as a Nazarite and live like the Philistines. They base this on the fact that Samson says time and time again in this dialogue with Delilah that if she does what he tells her, he will become weak and be like any other man. I don't believe that's the case because he overpowers them when they come upon him right. Some have argued that he was so hung up on Delilah that he would risk anything to be with her. I think that's a part of it. Others have said Samson believed his strength was his. Remember, he took credit for killing a thousand Philistines in Judges 15, 16. He said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have struck down a thousand men. Some say Samson believed it didn't matter what he did. His strength was his. His strength would remain no matter what. Here's what I think. I think Samson, of course, was too hung up on Delilah, and I believe he's overly confident. I think Samson believed God's favor would remain on him no matter what, as long as he lived. Samson thought God's mercy and grace and favor would remain on him forever. He was sorely mistaken. Look at verse 15. And Delilah said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death, and he told her, all his heart. He, he said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, be careful who you bear your heart to, right? She sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again. For he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. Verse 19. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. So she wears him down, said a couple of sermons back 
one of Samson's weaknesses was that he was enticeable. He does not remain steadfast. He breaks under pressure. He gives in to not be bothered, and this gets him in a world of trouble. Samson aligned himself with the wrong women. He allowed himself to be enticed by them and suffered as a result. Delilah hounded him for the answer, and he told her naively thinking that God's favor would remain. His hair was cut and his strength left him, but that's not all that left him. Next point. Samson is abandoned by God and imprisoned by his enemies. Look at verses 20 through 22. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. You see here, he's confident. Either in his strength or in God's favor. I I believe it's in the Lord's favor. He He was overly confident thinking that would remain because of what we're told in the next line. Look at it. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. What a sad line in Scripture. The Lord had left Samson. Now, God's everywhere, right? We know that theologically. He's he's everywhere, present, right? When we're told he left, that doesn't mean he's absent. That means he has removed his hand of favor from Samson. He's very much present in this. But his hand of favor has been removed from him. Now, who strayed first? Samson, right? Samson's in Gaza. He's away from God, away from his people. He has drifted from God, but thinks that God will always be there to catch him. Not anymore. The Lord left him. While God's mercy endures forever, we're told, his mercy does not endure for everyone forever. We're also told that. The Lord left Samson The question for you today is, where are you in proximity to God? Are you pursuing God? Are you with the world? Who are you running around with? Who have you aligned with? Those who are yoked with the godless and reject and ignore God in the world he created, they end up in bondage. We learn that from Samson. That's the fate of the faithless that's samson's fate look at verses 21 and 22 and the philistine seized him and gouged out his eyes remember samson to this point he had been doing what is right in his own eyes right now his eyes are completely gouged out judgment they gouged out his eyes brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in the prison. He is enslaved by the godless ones he has aligned himself with. This is what sin does. Sin enslaves us. Are you enslaved to sin? My prayer for you today is that God would give you eyes to see it. That's the problem with our problem of sin is that many don't see it as a problem, which is a big problem. I pray God give you eyes to see your sinfulness and your great need of salvation before you are blinded permanently and condemned forever. I pray if you have not, you would forsake your wicked ways 
and give your heart to Jesus. There is a way that seems right to a man, right? But its end is the way of Samson. Its end is the way of blindness. Its end is the way of slavery. Its end is the way of condemnation. Its end is the way of death. You must turn before it is too late. While Samson has failed God miserably, God still accomplishes his purposes, though, through this broken Savior. Last point I want you to see is that Samson, while a colossal spiritual failure, is also a mighty instrument in the hands of Almighty God. Now, is Samson to be praised for that? Say no. Say no. No. God is to be praised for what he does through Samson. Last point, Samson is empowered by God to accomplish his good purposes. Look at verse 22. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Grace of God. Samson didn't deserve it. Grace of God. What did God say to Samson's mother before Samson was conceived? Judges 13, 3 and 5, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. While Samson was unfaithful, get this, God was not. So thankful for that. All the times I've failed to be faithful, yet God continues to be faithful. Amen? Even when no one is faithful, you know what? God is faithful. Amen? That should just wash over us, that truth, and should comfort us, help us sleep at night. God is faithful. He had made promises, and He makes good on every promise that He makes. Verses 23 through 31, we have some of the best lines on Samson. Now, they're not perfect but they're the best we get for Samson. Look at verse 23. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Dagon was a, a grain god whom they believed delivered Samson to them. Remember, Samson had cost them their grain, right? When he tied the foxes together by their tails with torches in between their tails, he sent them running through the fields. They believed Dagon, the grain god, had avenged them by bringing Samson to them. So they're celebrating. They're, they're gathered in honor of this false grain god. Verse 24. And when the people saw him, saw Samson, they praised their God. And they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand. The ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. He's been brought very low. He's enslaved. He's, he's sort of like a court jester here, entertaining them at their feasts. So they called Samson out of the prison. And he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars, verse 26. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, 
and on the roof, there were 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Here we have Samson's best moment. Samson sees now that he is in complete need of God for strength. He knows he does not deserve it, which is why he only asks for it once. The best demonstration that we have of faith from Samson in Judges is right here. This act is why Samson gets a mention in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. Remember, we looked at that. Notice, however, he ruins it by making this request for the wrong reasons. Instead of doing it for God and for His namesake and for His glory, what does he say? Do it that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. God's going to grant Samson his request, but not for that reason. God's going to do it for his name's sake, for his purposes, for his glory. God does it for the right reasons. Samson, again, has the wrong reasons. Look at verse 29. We're almost finished. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then the brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him and buried him between Zorah and Ashtal in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. So the Lord granted Samson his request, but not for Samson's sake. This act was a divine act of judgment against the Philistines, and it was also meant to show them that Dagon is a false god. God himself is the one true and living God of all. You'll notice in your study guide this week, be sure and do this. It's in your bulletin. You have a Monday through Friday study guide that goes through the sermon we've talked about this morning that, that I've shared this morning. Here's the truth for the week. The God of the scripture is the one true and living God of all. Isaiah 45, 5, verse for the week. I am the Lord and there is no other besides me. There is no God. Commit those to memory. To close, let me say this. Believe it or not, this final act by this flawed Savior, Samson, gives us a glimpse of the work that God's perfect Savior would one day accomplish. Think about it with me. We're told in verse 30 that the, the dead whom Samson killed at his death were more than, than who he killed during his life. This means that one of the most important moments in Samson's life was his death. Through his death, Samson begins God's great work of redemption for his people. Same is true for Jesus. Timothy Keller said this, look at this quote. Samson's death achieved the limited role God had raised him up for to begin the deliverance of Israel. Jesus' death achieved deliverance once for all, a final rescue. While both Samson and Jesus were betrayed, 
by someone who acted as a friend, both handed over to Gentile oppressors, both tortured and chained, put on public display and mocked while both were asked to perform and died with arms outstretched, appearing completely struck down by their enemies, both in death crushed their enemies. Samson crushed the Philistines in Dagon. Jesus, our ultimate enemy, Satan, death, and hell. Samson died a sinner. Jesus knew no sin, but was made to be sin so that we could be forgiven and made righteous and live. Christ also rose again, conquering death with his own death and resurrection to give us life eternal through faith in him. Have you given your life up and over to the one who gave so much to save you? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you given your life to Jesus? If not, I invite you today to receive this gift in faith. Receive it. Lay your life down. Give your life over. Receive life eternal through Christ Jesus. Let's pray.